It's the Dick and Ham Show. It's brought to you this week by the old McCallum Scotch Whiskey. Good times, smooth taste, and bad behavior with the oldmccallum.com. So it's been a while. We've got Boots and Ranch and Sam uh, dialing in. I'm dialing in as always from Oslo. It's snowing out here. It's, uh, it's, the snow's finally arrived. I'm happy about that. Snow is better Winter's than rain. Coming. Yeah, well, it is, but it isn't. Like global warming is is not good. In a, I guess it's not good generally, but it's not good in a city where you kind of rely on snow and winter. Like rainy winters here are just just shit. So the snow. Hey, David, is, is they got those. Uh, have they got those bubblers going in the bay to stop it from icing over? Uh, they they should have by now. Yeah, they they need it. Um, it. It kind of depends. Like if it's a small sort of waterway, like a little lake or something, they have nothing, so it freezes over. But I'm nowhere near confident going anywhere near a frozen lake. But people who grew up here just know. They're like, yeah, that's okay. You could walk on that. But <laughs> I'm. Do, 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 do they have like kids? Like like you said, like three times a year in Norway, that like a kid falls through the ice, or what? How does it, it work? It never it never happens. Which is again because they somehow just know. Like in Canada, they have a system where someone drives a car out onto the middle of the lake, and when it falls through, everyone knows <laughs> it's time to stop. <laughs> which is so canadian that system i mean it's yeah it's 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 a system i guess yeah if i if look if i've learned anything from ice road truckers <laughs> the ice can hold a lot of weight it's all about the speed of the truck dave the first time i ever drove up a proper mountain here i, I did the worst thing you can do which i stopped because you do need the momentum so i stopped while on an incline and it was a front wheel drive car and the only way to solve it and to get traction was to make two people get out and sit on the bonnet above the front axle so that it put more <laughs> weight on it. And that gave us just that extra like 150 kilos or whatever to, <laughs> to get the wheels moving again. So the last 10 minutes, there were these dudes just sitting on the front of the car as we drove up. Because it was that or just stay there for the rest of the day because we were just fucking stuck. But anyway, how, how are you guys? How, how's it? Yeah, you could have. How are you guys? How's everything in Melbourne? Oh Yeah, yeah look, things are going... They look, they're, they're a lot better, Dave, than most of the times we've had these these stupid, you know, Zoom calls. Uh, <laughs> they're, uh, yeah, they're, no, look, it's pretty much life's back to normal. You pretty much have to wear a mask only, um, like, inside, like if you're at a shop. Uh, apart from that, you can pretty much go or do anything anywhere, I think. Like, restaurants are limited with the number of people, but, like, really... I, like I don't even give a shit now because it's basically back to normal in the details. I don't really care about that much. Do you know what I mean? So it's it's pretty good from my point of view. That's great. How is it? How is it? Bayside Ranch. Yeah, look, it's you know the, it's difficult to get a, a restaurant reservation anywhere because numbers are limited and everyone wants to go out. Besides that, it's 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 pretty much it's pretty much normal, which is good. The weather's heating up, and um, you know pe- people are still pretty cautious. I think like you know like people are still doing the right things in 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 general, keeping masks on and. Um, and things like that, which is good to see. I think like offices have reopened to like 25% capacity, but you have to wear a mask on if you're basically inside. And so, yeah, I think there's, you know, last count in our office, I think there were six people there. So, um, yeah, we're not really too worried about uh, max capacity uh, at our place, but uh, it's, it's going all right. Nice. Camp, how's everything in your part of the woods? Yeah, it's pretty good. I, the, the, the office thing, I, I was actually looking forward to at least going back a couple of days. But the fact that you have to wear a mask the whole time unless you are in an office by yourself um, kind of reduces the efficacy of going into the office and you can't actually have more than one person in the office unless you've got the four square metres or actually eight square metres, because four square metres per person um, inside an actual office. So you've got to basically all go and stand out and talk in the hallway while wearing masks. Which And, and that's the whole point of, of being able to go in, is to be able to kind of see people and have meetings and, you know, more easily access people and get people together rather than on, on Zoom calls. But that's that's not happening. So, But that's really the only the only thing that's not kind of getting back in terms of your, your, your everyday existence. Um, you know, we've, we've been down the beach for a few weekends in a row. I'm down here now. And that's, yeah, that's made it, uh, made a big difference. And yeah. We all played golf the other week. So there you go, Dave. Nice. Yeah. I'm jealous. Revenge. And, uh, I'm, uh, I'm into golf these days and I'm, I'm sad that the golf courses are shut, but you know, uh, can I, uh, can, I, can I lay something on you guys? So Boots will tell you that, that uh, I had some tremendous form during the golf round that we played a few weeks ago. 
today as part of my work Christmas party, which involved about 12 people, most of whom are women who've never played golf. Not only did I win, but at the driving range, you had to hit a target that was maybe like 80 metres away, and I actually hit it with a shot. It was incredible. (laughs) And they were like, it was like, hey, everyone's going to watch now. You need to hit a good shot, and it needs to hit that sign. And not only did I not top it or like hit it into my own face or something, I hit the actual <laughs> sign. It was, oh, no one was as surprised as me. It's incredible. I won Amazing. a golf ball, singular. And you also lost one that you hit away into the sign. So it was like a I net zero. I snapped three clubs. So it was a net <laughs> loss, but I got a golf ball out of it. And plus the honor of winning it. So. Did the ball hitting the sign make a good noise? It did. Yeah. I know you believe this, Sam, but you realize this is God making you enjoy golf for a couple of times so that you go oh, out and play more. Oh, yeah. And then you're going to have four, you're going to be four holes in and go, fuck, I've got 16 more holes. <laughs> it's one of his best tricks. You know, like, like when you, um, when you haven't played golf in a long time, you go back and you just play well. And then you're like, that's pretty good. Hey guys, you want to play again next weekend? And then it's just like having sandpaper on your balls. It's just <laughs> terrible. Yeah. It's such an odd metaphor to go straight to. <laughs> Is it exactly balls. like having sandpaper on your balls? Yeah. Have you had sandpaper on your balls, Dave? No, but, but I just don't. well. <laughs> speaking from experience, <laughs> yeah, it makes you. Yeah, to be honest, it makes me regret spending twenty five hundred bucks on those clubs as I left the driving range today. <laughs> Actually, plus a bullwhizz old putter for six hundred bucks, which is half what he paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it was um, it was a lot of fun playing golf with all the yeah, guys the other week. We we raised about fourteen hundred bucks for November, which was really good and fantastic. Um, yeah, it was a it was a great great effort by Trent the fucking rat to pull all that together along with apparently McCallum, but I think we all just think that he didn't do anything. So yeah, it was it was great. McCallum. And but but Dave, I, I think um, last time we spoke, it sounded like Oslo was going the wrong way with all of this. How are you going? And how's Oslo? It's uh, yeah, we're going fine. Uh, Oslo is is a dropping number of cases, but still enough that there's a social lockdown, is what they're calling it. So that is uh, kindergartens are open, which is the thing that we care about most because that that is very helpful for us personally. But you have no alcohol serving, uh, which means that most restaurants are also closed. So restaurants basically are off, bars and pubs off restrictions on having parties uh, and the number of people you can have around. But if you need to go to the shops or things like that, you can. So it's basically enough freedom that people are not going completely mad, but it's also not a strict enough lockdown to really crush the numbers down to zero. So the numbers have gone from like 150, 200 a day, which is obviously very troubling down to kind of like 60, which is a lot better, but that's sort of where it's still, Mm, still going to hang around. Yeah. yeah. So I guess the question is, what do you do with Christmas? Cause you like, it is getting cold. So you've got far more people wanting or needing to be inside more often. So how do you stop um, bigger gatherings at Christmas? Um, or, you know, are they trying to be a bit stricter now so that they maybe can, you know, slacken off a bit at Christmas time? Yeah. So who knows, but it, it's going okay, but I'd, I'd like to see it going further um, is, is kind of the, the long winded answer to that. It's just going to be interesting to see the, the different kind of philosophies taken in a place like Europe as opposed to Australia. I mean, at the end of the day, we're an island and we can kind of control people coming onto our island or not. And so like the, like the mindset seemingly in Australia and in New Zealand is like, well, let's just crush the thing and get it finished and, and all completely obliterated. But it just feels like even if, I don't know, Oslo and, and, and Norway a great job and got it down to zero like the moment that borders open up to sweden again it's just going to come back like unless every single country like does the same thing so i i can imagine that you know what good looks like in europe is pretty different to australia yeah it is there's, there's just so many different variables uh, and the sweden thing is is obviously very high profile they took a different different approach basically threw all the elderly people under the bus and said well whatever happens happens because they wanted the herd immunity but it hasn't happened they 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 keep testing and there's not really anything that resembles a herd immunity yet so it's um yeah the, the, there's there's different different situations in each country it's obviously very good to have three vaccines and, and wealthy countries like norway will have bought up the maximum number of doses so i would say mid next year you'll have a large number of people who are starting to have you know had it uh had the shot that is 
so I, I would guess next Christmas is when it starts to be like really normal, normal for us. And maybe June, July, which is summer. I mean, the thing we want to do is visit Australia, but we need there to be a different quarantine set up. And that's, I feel like that's a long yeah. way off where you could do home quarantine. Yeah. Long way. I feel question, like that's a long way off. Group, um, as you know, I'm a known uh, anti-vaxxer. No, I'm really not. But um, in the case of this vaccination, would you uh, have any pause with putting that in you, given the speed with it, with which it's been brought to market and so on? I wouldn't have any uh, any hesitation at all. It, it's interesting, Sam. I, I actually, I kind of raised this issue on the last podcast, actually, and it was just more around like, you know, how, like what sort of level of testing do we normally do with, with you know, bringing something like this to market? And I was actually approached, taken aside, as it were, at the golf day by an LEOG member who asked me quietly if I was actually an anti-vaxxer. He, he, he oh. misunderstood, misunderstood my comments to think that I was, I was against vaccination in general. And I said, no, Beaver, no, 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 I'm not. <laughs> At the time, it's available to the general population. So I think, obviously, I don't think we're going to do what, Britain is doing, which is kind of an emergency uh, regulation allowing the vaccine to be administered to certain high-risk groups, I think we will have whatever the, the, the testing regime is available through sort of March next year. And I think that I'd, I would be comfortable at that point in time if, 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 if they are prepared to, to let it go into the community at that point that I would get, most certainly get the... Are they suggesting that every person should take it? For instance, you know how um, it's obviously more dangerous. By the way, I'm not asking this because I'm a sceptic. I'll do whatever they say to do. But um, you know how like the flu vaccination, for instance, I never used to bother getting that until I had kids because I'm just like, I don't have a problem with the vaccination, but I haven't had the flu much for 20 years. And if I can not have an injection, I won't have one. I'll just risk, risk getting it. You know, kind of thing. it doesn't matter. Uh, this is obviously more deadly than that, clearly. But um, is it something where they're like, do you, do you think they're going to be like, so every person should take this or are they going to be like, look, if you're like, if there's no reason to have a particular concern or you're beneath a certain age or whatever, like don't have it unless you need to kind of thing. Yeah, what's your understanding of it? It's going to be, and this is based on stuff I've read, actually Fauci published an interesting take on it, but the, um, that it's going, if the take up gets to be like 95%, it's like, it's like anything. It's like measles that you need to get, you know, 95% of the population of a place vaccinated to effectively prohibit community transmission because it'll only transmit to a few people before it hits someone who's immune to it. Or at least if the vaccination is 90% effective as um, it's claimed for one of them, then, you know, you're not going to go through too many people before kind of you stop that chain of transmission. And and so that that's the ideal outcome um, for the vaccination. Now, Obviously, they're going to make it very difficult. It's going to be difficult to make compulsory. Be interesting to see whether they go for a no jab, no play style yeah, yeah, type thing um, situation where where you um, withhold certain government things or impose a levy on people who haven't uh, haven't had the vaccination um, or, or how they do it. Um, that would be the interesting. I'd like to see component. that system because it would stop Novak Djokovic from playing tennis and stop him from overtaking uh, Nadal and Federer's Grand, Grand Slam record because he is a he's an anti-vaxxer among other things. Good old uh, good old Novak. See, there's a silver lining, silver lining to everything. We get COVID, but we don't get Novak as the greatest of all. Question time. on that: Has there been a better but less likable sports person with the combination of being that good but that just unliked? Barry Bonds. Who? Barry Bonds? Home run king for baseball. Why was he dis- disliked? Was that just because of the Persians? Or was he yeah, just genuinely hated. Look, he, he was, first of all, a probably patient zero for the steroid era in baseball. Not, not, not the first one, but the most prominent um, name. Uh, and secondly, had just a, a history of being not a particularly good teammate and not a particularly uh, friendly person to deal with both for team staff and for media. So he was other than, other than the fans of the San Francisco Giants, um, he was just, just hated uh, around the rest of baseball for, for basically breaking Hank Aaron and Babe Ruth's home run records respectively as someone who they saw as doing it as a, as a cheat and 
secondly, you know, the, the, the fact that he was not, uh, not, not a pleasant person. I mean, there are other people who have been found to have been drug cheats in baseball, which had a, had a sort of rampant culture, um, who have got, you know, have kind of passed through the media scrutiny part of that. But he is, uh, he is one particularly in the, in, in the US who is probably, you know, there's an argument he's the greatest baseball player of all time. He was on a on a, a Hall of Fame trajectory before he started hitting enormous amounts of home runs, um, record amounts, and now he's not even in the Hall of Fame because the media vote on the um, on who gets into the Hall of Fame, and they've decided, yeah, we probably think he took steroids, notwithstanding he never had a positive test, so we're just not going to. McGuire in, no, same reason. There are enough. The, 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 the baseball Hall of Fame voting system is a archaic thing where if you are a member of this particular baseball writers thing you uh for 45 years or something you can have a you can have a vote um and they've just there's enough old people who just have decided that they are guardians of the game and are not going to let anyone in who's basically played in this steroid era where there are allegations of people taking steroids and not notwithstanding not even if there's proof it's just basically they think you took steroids you're not going to um, get into the stupid fun. question. Is the steroid era over or is, is it considered to be over now? Uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it's considered to be over now. And if you look at the home run, the individual home run totals and the, um, and some of the pitch speeds, that seems to be an indication that, that, that is, that, that it is no longer um, uh, a, in the steroid era, you still have, you actually have a record number of home runs, but individuals are not hitting the same amount. It's sort of more people are hitting them because the, the analytic is completely different train of thought, but the, the analytics people are saying that, that uh, it, it's much better, uh, much more productive to basically either hit a home run or strike out rather than have too many singles hitters and, and, and doubles hitters. Um, so, but, but the, the general feeling is that the steroid testing is catching people. There have been a number of 80 and 160 game suspensions uh, in the last few years. So Aaron got busted twice, didn't he? Uh, yeah, he got busted once, but he basically appealed it and did other things to end up getting 160 game suspension. But yeah, yeah, interesting stuff. So it's um, it's December. How oh, Christmas is everything really gone? Dave, I was just going to say one other player on your Novak Djokovic line of thinking who was really good, but perhaps hated by most people. How about Jason Akamanis? Ah, I thought you were going to say Greg Williams. Yes. Greg Williams would be a very good one. But Akamanis was uh, was was hated. I I trained with him. I don't think I've ever told this story. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. Back in when I was working on, on the AFL site, one of the, possibly two of the clubs, but definitely the Western Bulldogs used to do press media train with the team day every year. And it obviously wasn't training training. They did a highly scaled back version to cater for the fact that the average AFL journalist is horrendously out of shape. <laughs> but I, I tagged along. So I sort of went on the AFL.com thing. And we knew the people who ran it. I was like, can we just get a, can we get a gig, you know, with all of the, you know, the Craig Hutchison's and the Ricky Olerinshaw's who are sniffing around being journalists. He says like, yeah, yeah, come down. So I, we did like an hour or so session with them. And that was when Ackermanis was playing. It was guys like Peter Street, possibly some early Josh Hill, I think. Um, yeah. And um, it was pretty great. Like I hadn't kicked a, a proper football in a long time. I hadn't, I was just young enough that I could still run and I could still move. And I wasn't, you know, just like a walking corpse out there. And um it was, it was pretty great to see how fast those guys were, to yeah. see the skill level, like just a standard football drill where you're like, okay, you guys, you three people are going to run and handball to each other. Just to see the guys at that level, they would start and they would be like 40 meters away within like a second. Like mm. it was absolutely astonishing. Um, mm. so I think Brad Johnson was there, but it was, it was super fun. It was, it was very, very cool to see. And Akimanis was a nice guy for the record. He was a nice guy. Part of the formula, though, for hateability, I reckon, needs to be both on and off-field behaviour. So that's why Djokovic is, is good in that regard. Akamanis is good in that regard. Greg Williams, less so, because he was like the, such a villain on the field, but I don't think he's famous for necessarily doing much off. I had one, not that I'm that into this sport, but that guy, um, actually, I'm possibly just about to exactly contradict what I just said, but remember that soccer player called Luis Suarez, yeah. who on multiple separate, unrelated occasions was 
um, banned for matches for biting guys on the back ah, during yeah, yeah. games. Yeah, yeah. Horrible. Yeah, that he was the ultimate like soccer player, like infinitely talented, like superbly talented, and just awful. Yeah, he had some problems with spitting on people's faces as well. He did some really like just off color stuff, racism yeah, as off, well. Like, off also, by the way, um, that Neymar guy from Brisbane, very, very similar as well from the hateability point of view. Brisbane. Haircuts, tattoos. Brazil. Did I say Brisbane? Brazil. Brazil. Yeah. Sorry, it's been a long, been a long year. <laughs> Brisbane. Yeah, Neymar does not play for Brisbane. Gary Neymar from the Brisbane Bears. He, uh, he played a few <laughs> games with Kappa. Yeah, Neymar Jones off the half-back line. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I hear. Can I, can I change topics and launch into a, a, a TV show recommendation on the subject of, uh, of the World Game? The, Go on. Since we last taped, it's December the 4th day, since we last taped, obviously the uh, supremely talented and also supremely, uh, I guess, Troubled. Uh, challenged football uh, genius Diego Maradona died at age 60. I believe there's now like some sort of weird inquest going on into like some sort of suggestion of like manslaughter or medical negligence. So, you know, the story itself is going to get messier and messier. But uh, the thing I've been watching is a documentary from two years ago where he took up an offer to coach a team in the Mexican second division called Dorados in a town called Sinaloa. And Sinaloa is famous only for being the drug capital of Mexico. The the cartel. cartel. Sinaloa. Sinaloa cartel. So questions were asked when he took the job there. Because they're like, so what's he going there (laughs) for? Anyway, and this documentary, I'm halfway through it. Why not not the (laughs) A-League? Why why there? (laughs) Why not Lisbon? (laughs) Why not Copenhagen? But the, uh, the, the documentary is exceptional viewing so far. Like just... Just to see that much insight into something you never thought would be interesting, but second division Mexican football, fascinating to see how that league works <laughs> and like game by game to follow this team. And the standard of the play is actually okay. Like they play attacking games and they score and it's not just bullshit. And it's highly recommended. In some markets, it's called Maradona in Mexico. In some markets, it's called Maradona in uh, Sinaloa. But I absolutely recommend it. And it does a very good job of painting both sides of of this guy, um, he, you know, he's, he's got the two watches on, he's got the look, I mean, he can barely walk at this point, like his knees and ankles are so shot. He has people like basically carrying him, but yeah, you, you see both sides of him. It's fucking interesting. It's good stuff. Hmm. Hey, Boots, I've never heard of that. What are you doing right now? It's very good. Boots, what's going on over there? I look like I'm looking at you through a periscope. Yeah, you were, you're down on the, uh, on the kitchen table. <laughs> Because I had to walk around and get the dog some food. Um, ah, diaper. We're trying to run a professional set up here. Can't feed the dogs can feed themselves. Yeah. Well, it's a diabetic dog. If you don't feed him when he's looking like he was, then he dies. So it's kind of a, a an either or situation. Important. No more jokes about the diabetic dog, all right, guys? <laughs> I think he's. I think he's faking it. Has anyone watched We Are the Champions on Netflix? No. Right. It's uh well, I won't crap on about it then, but it's pretty good. Like it's just one of those, you know, little documentary series about, hey, here are some wacky sports from around the world, blah, blah, blah. But what really makes it is the the narration by Rain Wilson from the office is 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 really, really good. And it's just it's like it's incredibly entertaining and fun and uplifting and enjoyable to watch. I'd recommend it to anyone. It's it's really good. Check it out. It's called We Are the Champions. We are the champions on Netflix. I um I might just I just had to Google who Rain Wilson is. I might just log out oh, that and, guy. And, and reboot and log back in because this internet can. Now that Hugh's gone, don't you think he's dragging this podcast down? Yeah, it's been an awkward <laughs> thing to talk about. You know, what are we supposed to do with him? It's it's awkward. Someone was he, he was so who was so good for so long, but then comes a point. Yeah, it, I know people don't know when to give up, do they? Boots, do you know what I mean? Like they that is. He peaked with the Van Halen episode and ever since then, I've just been carrying him. And what are you supposed to do? You know, he's, he's sort of dining out on past glories and it's awkward. So you've seen in the ratings and I mean, this is a business. I'm telling you, I'm the one, who, I'm the one in charge of Rev as we, as we know. And um, I'm getting feedback from advertisers. How, how is the Rev? How is the Rev picture? Can you give us a oh, snapshot? <laughs> I can tell you I was about to close Saab on a multi-dollar deal. <laughs> and I do mean dollar. And um, they're not that happy with the ranch. <laughs> You know, they've got thoughts on Andrew too, I'll be honest, but that's just a conversation for another time. Well, you've done well to sign Saab, given they don't really exist anymore other than to manufacture military aircraft. So it's... Uh, it's. 
I was going to say, it's the aircraft business. We do, we've got a lot of B2B listeners. Yeah, the, the Saab 2000 was a good aircraft. I flew on it once to Finland and it was, it was a dream. It was a dream come true, Sam, the Saab 2000. Was it, was it weird looking in Euro, like their cars? It was a, you felt like it was a turbo prop, like, a, like one of those De Havilland Dash 8 things. And it was so small that it was just like seat, aisle, seat. So you felt like it was a private jet. Yeah. Um, because there was, you know, there was, there was basically no possibility of having something. So one of those ones where, um, one of those ones where there's a toilet on it, but because the fuselage is so <laughs> cylindrical, you've basically got to like shape yourself like a banana to take a slash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically that. Yeah, or like one step further, you have to be in a push-up position to be able to take a piss. <laughs> there's, just, there's just a hole in the floor, and you need the upper body strength to plank for sixty seconds. <laughs> Otherwise, it's not going to be possible for you. Uh, it's tough. Very, very tough for women as well. It's, it's, it's not ideal, but that's, that's the future of flying. You know, if you don't like it, don't fly. I pictured you might have to, you might have to do a, a handstand and then reverse <laughs> face so you get pissed right down. <laughs> uh, terrible. terrible. So, no, I, I'm guessing the rev situation is not great, um, but, you know, I appreciate that, you, that you're out there selling. Uh, what do you got in the pipeline? Who else is going to buy? Who am I still going to sell to? Yeah. BHP, you're interested, Good. you know, <laughs> a lot of government money sloshing around as well, a bit of training stuff. And obviously always, there are always hasslings about slots, but I mean, we're not going to give them away for free. Are no, we? no, no. I mean, we hit a lot of key demos for the government. So I guess that makes sense. A listener base like ours, it's uh, those eyeballs or, or earballs, I guess you call it in the radio game. It's, uh, it's yeah. worth a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I'm just out there hitting the tarmac, selling earballs. <laughs> I wonder what it is called. I mean, I mean, it is called eyeballs in, in other advertising. I, I guess it's just called listeners. It must just be called listeners. Yeah. Or, or, or ears. You know? Yeah, how many ears do you hit? Yeah, I don't know. All I know is, is that if we can do 1% of what Bill, Bill Simmons does, then we still should be able to make 10 or $20 million when we sell it based on what he made when he sold it. All right, so Ranch has entered the Zoom waiting room. Should we let him in? Yeah, I'm, I'm you know... Well, radio advertising, like jokes aside, it's one of those things that can potentially work. Like it, people poo-poo it because it's radio and it's not, it's not sexy, but radio and SMS are actually two channels. SMS in particular is a channel that most marketers think is lame because it's old, but it fucking works. If you get an SMS, you check it and you, you take it seriously in a way that you wouldn't with almost anything else. So it's also invasive and irritating though. So it's a fine line. Yeah. Yeah. Got to do it properly. But, uh, I, I would, I haven't done much of it recently, but radio advertising, um, you know, if you do it at the right time, you know, peak hour, people are trapped in their car, but I guess podcasts have killed it. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Hugh, um, maybe don't listen to this podcast. (laughs) I just, Uh, I mean, it's up to you, but I just, I'm yeah, I wouldn't listen to it. All right. Okay, I'll, um, yeah, okay, I won't. All right. Well, cool. Yeah. Well, Thanks no, for the you, advice. You sound good. And well, no, no, no reason. No yeah, reason. No, I'm I mean, sure. We'd love no, having you, just... you on. Yeah, we love having you on it, that's for sure. Um, I thought the, yeah, it was just no, it was just not, not really. Yeah, certainly haven't suggested that you've lost it. I mean, that was, that was not one of the suggestions no. that was made. I'm sure it wasn't. I think you probably it's just wound just up talking hopes. about stuff that I'm not really interested in. He thought, he's a busy guy, doesn't really want to be wasting his time listening to the Saab account's definitely not in jeopardy. So you don't have to worry about that. Oh, talked about okay. revenue, so, so nothing nothing to think about there. But Ranch, what, what else have you been watching? So you, we are the champions, which is worth a watch. What else have you been uh, uh, into? I've been watching a lot of stuff because it was about six months ago that we made the last episode. But um, <laughs> Ouch. The, um, so season four of Big Mouth start with, like, came out today. Did you ever watch that, Dave? Still have started on Big Mouth? Chris, oh, Chris is furious at me for not watching it. He messaged oh, me. Oh, man. Jesus. Like, like literally in the first seven minutes of, the, of episode one of season four, I reckon I laughed more at that than I think anything all year. It's, it's really good. So anyway, I won't crap on about that. Uh, the Crown season four was amazing. Sam, did you watch that too? Yes, I watched that in about four days. Yeah, it's good. I should not be interested in that show. It's the sort of thing that, like, no, if my neither. parents watched it when when they were my age, I'd be like, "Oh God, such an old person thing. Why am I watching this costume drama?" It, it's so incredibly well made. That's that's the key. Yeah, it is. yeah, yeah. It's like a movie. It really is. Yeah, but, but oh, dude, like, it's, it's better than a lot of movies in terms of the quality. Yeah, like, you know, 
it, 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 it obviously looks great. You know, I think it's, I mean, it's obviously interesting because, you know, there's been such, so much change over the last however many decades she's been, you know, in, in that role. And, you know, certainly in the, in the first couple of seasons, it was interesting to kind of see her kind of, you know, wrestle with the legacy of the role that the monarchy plays, but trying to be a little bit more progressive herself, which was, I thought, quite interesting. That seems to have maybe been lost a little, or maybe she just lost her mojo and, and other generations kind of came through. But, um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's one of the few shows that both me and I will just watch really quickly. And, yeah, I, I just I think it's absolutely wonderful. I love it, and I can't wait for season five. 2022. I have strong, some pretty strong thoughts on the, the royal family and their involvement with Australia. But, um, all right, gee, I'll tell you what, like the second half of it, they pull no punches with, like, I don't know how you couldn't watch that series and just be like, what an appalling bunch of awful people who you should stay away from at all costs. Like, that's basically the takeaway from watching that series. It's mine anyway. Between the Queen and all the other weirdos, their behaviour is terrible. They're just just a shocking bunch of people, I would have thought. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm only in season three, so I don't, I'm, maybe it goes further and I, I'm yet to see all, all of it. But I see part of what you're saying, definitely. Yeah. Like the, the, the Queen's just, like, awful to her children duty above everything it's just i don't know yeah and look it, i i think the um you know that that really i think it steps up in in season four like all the diana stuff there's one really does one of the first episodes with diana where it really you know starts to go bad like i was watching it thinking it actually felt like watching a bit of a horror movie like there was just so much so much bad shit happening at all times and some of it was just this ins- yeah. insidious behavior certainly as it's portrayed in the show you know that was just really difficult to watch but yeah, man, it's 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 incredibly well made, and you know it, it it is interesting, and I think it over the journey so far has done a good job of trying to balance this, trying to show this a little bit. It's just like be, it'd be very easy to paint, for instance, the queen herself as being, you know, just this you know horrible, distant, cold, awful person, as you say, Sam. But then at the same time, it did kind of also show her childhood being exactly the same too. So, you know, it's a question of nature versus nurture there too at times. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's just a, a fabulous show. Nice. Nice. On the, on the subject of horror films, can we quick, can we, can we talk about Christmas films for a second? Because mm-hmm. yes. I, is there a subgenre of, of, of Christmas themed horror movies? Well, I, there actually may be because Obviously, the, the standard, like the canon of official Christmas movies is very well defined. And there was, there's a couple that I used to wonder, why is that not considered a classic Christmas, a movie that happens around Christmas, but no one ever talks about it? And the movie in question was the Joe Dante 1984 smash hit Gremlins. So I'm like, I'm going to watch Gremlins. Yes. I'm sure Gremlins happens at Christmas time. So I watched it. Wow, I'd forgotten about that movie. It's, it's, uh, it's pretty racist. It's very racist. It's very racist. It's, it's, it's oh, very, man. It's very, yeah, it's very racist. Okay. There's, there's a lot of off-colour stuff. And, and the stuff with the gremlins themselves, it's far more of a horror film than I remembered. I was going to let mm. the kids watch it. And thank, no. Christ I, thank Christ I didn't. I mean, there's a guy oh. who gets stabbed in the ass and killed with a hypodermic needle. There's a woman puts a gremlin upside down into a blender and there's just like a gut shower yeah. goes all over everything else. Yeah, like do, do they explode one in a microwave as well? Yeah, yeah she cooks one alive yeah. in a microwave. Yeah. But, it, but it's sort of a horrifying, like the way they shot it, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's tense. I, I don't remember it being like that at all. But yeah, also very racist. There was like, wait, you don't believe in Christmas. What are you, Hindu? And there's just, there's just a bit of sl- just oh. some sloppy dialogue. And there's like kids making jokes about like menopause jokes and stuff that like supposed to be like, wink, wink, the dads are going to get that one and have a laugh kind of humor. And it's just like really, so I understood really quickly why it's not included in the canon of Christmas movies. Yeah. <laughs> it, became, it became really clear. It did. But I have to say the puppeteering, like the optical effects, they stand up incredibly well. That little Mogwai guy the, the 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 expressiveness of that puppet and sort of the adorableness of that puppet totally stands up and you, like you could show that to a kid now be like oh my god what's that i want that but other than that wow wow it has not aged well it is not oh and also the the mean woman who owns the bank wants to kill the guy's dog and she just speaks openly about trying to kill his dog and then she strings it up with christmas lights on his balcony unbelievable yeah wow 
Unbelievable. What, what's Boots, what's your go-to Christmas movie? Do you, do you have a, like a, a preferred list? Um, pro- not, not really. I used, to, I used to always watch the Peanuts Christmas, the uh, Charlie uh, Brown uh, Christmas when it, when, it was, when it was on. But I don't think I had a, a particular Christmas go-to movie. I would, I, would, I would watch Christmas movies, particularly when I was, when I was, uh, when I was little. But yeah. Not, 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 not now. And there's not a particular one I've been hanging out to show to. So she's she's much more into Christmas this year. This is the first year that she's really uh, cared about it. Are you worried if you showed her Home Alone that she might get some ideas around the house? No, she. I watched that a few weeks ago. The boys. Did they yeah, like it? Great. Oh yeah. Luck, luckily, <laughs> I, I've um, instilled in her a ridiculous cautiousness. So I, I don't think she's going to be setting up, uh, setting up, uh, you know, traps for for burglars and so forth. And she also believes in the elf on the shelf, so that's been quite an effective uh, teaching tool. What does the elf on the shelf do? I'm not familiar so with that. Elf on the shelf is a complete uh, complete bastardization and commercialization of Christmas, whereby they sell you this toy elf that's from Santa who gets sent to your house on about the first of December. And just sits somewhere, and there's a letter to the kid saying, "You know, that here I'm Santa. I've sent this elf to just to just to check in on things in the last 25 days before Christmas to make sure that you know you're not being a uh, a misbehaving child and that you're doing all the things that you should do." So the elf reports back to me. He doesn't talk, doesn't move, won't move if you look at him, but like kind of moves when you're asleep. So the idea is you ah. just move the elf around the house. So it's in different spots. Extremely creepy, actually. Yeah. And, ah, uh, I see. And then, uh, yeah. And so they, they actually had an elf elf on the shelf at, at Kinder. And so and we also had one at home. And she's okay that they're different elves. She said, well, it's fine. Elves can look different. There's more than one elf. And, yeah. But uh, it has assisted with, um, with behavior modification. Interesting. Well, I guess whatever works, uh, works. And, you know, it sounds like an effective, effective tool. Mm, I'm not about bribery. No, nor should you be as a parent. I think it's, it's one of the only tools we've got. So, yeah, uh, you know, just, pretty, just, just... It's a pretty limited toolkit. Yeah, no, Home Alone is obviously a classic uh, that has evolved into a, into a sort of top five classic. But there's, I was surprised that Netflix has a surprisingly weak selection of Christmas films. And I, and I thought we could play a quick round of is this a real christmas movie or is it not i've got a couple of synopsises and titles do you, do you guys want to go through it sounds great yes yeah, right so first one is this a real christmas film or not call me claws Whoopi goldberg and nigel hawthorne star featuring the music of garth brooks from 2001 i'm gonna say yes it's real it's real it doesn't look good she's got white dreadlocks which just raises all sorts of Weird questions I don't want to ask or answer. Also, I just don't know whether, like, granted, Trent Reznor pulled one out of the hat for the Facebook movie. I don't know whether Garth Brooks is going to get banned to score a movie. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Nothing says Christmas like Garth Brooks. All right, I got another one for you. Yeah. This one has a very short synopsis. Title Santa with Muscles, starring Hulk Hogan. No, I'm going to say it's not real. It's a real film. I was going to say yes. It's a real film. <laughs> Suck it. Santa with muscles. Jeez, they spent a lot of time investing in getting the title right, didn't they? I know. Can you workshop this? How's it? What are we going to call it? It sounds like something Hulk Hogan named himself. Yeah. yeah. Maybe they gave yeah. him creative control. Maybe he was that he had a lot of ju- <laughs> he had a lot of juice and he got he wrestled creative control off them. Creative control. He wrestled he's, creative he's control. I, hear, I know. It, I see what you did there, Dave. Yeah. All right, Sam, one for you. Watch the dailies. <laughs> Sam, yeah, one on. for you, Sam. Uh, meet me, uh, title, meet me under the mistletoe. Anthony Money Johnson, played by Damon Wayans and his misfit group of childhood friends, navigate the often confusing world of Christmas time dating. True. No, nah, it's not a real film. I made that up. <laughs> It's a, you know what? You know what got me is a very convincing synopsis. Otherwise, I wouldn't have believed it. Yeah. Meet me under the mistletoe. That gets us into our next category, which I'm going to go to, which is adult Christmas films. Uh, which obviously there's, there's a few, there's a few nifty plays on words mm-hmm. that you can. We're talking about porn. Yeah, yeah, I've got a couple of those for you as well. Okay. Uh, okay. Vince Vaughn features multiple times on these lists for worst Christmas movies. Four Christmases, Vince Vaughn and Reese Witherspoon. When their plans for an exotic folk vacation fall apart, unmarried couple Brad and Kylie must spend Christmas Day at four different That's family get-togethers. 
That's a real movie. It is. Have you seen it? No. No. I remember the poster. Yeah, uh, me too. He's tall, she's short. It's hilarious. Yeah, I mean, he's one of those... <laughs> what, how would you describe... Open question. How would you describe the career of Vince Vaughn as, as in terms of how big and successful he was and whether he could have done something different? How would you describe his his career and where he, he kind sits? Of, he, he started... He started off indie and then he went kind of real like silly comedy space. And now I don't know whether it feel, whether he feels like he could do a dramatic movie. He had a good role in that guy, uh, True Detective, the second True Detective series, but it turned out it was the one that no one liked. So I don't know where that leaves him right now. I also saw him in Beijing at the Great Wall of China. True story. Did you? Yeah, during the Olympics, he was there. Hmm. He's, I- um, he, he's, he's entered a, a bit of a kind of you know, gritty action movie phase of his career. He was in a film, I think, called Dragged Across Concrete or something like that a couple of years ago. Oh, was he? And he's in, uh, um, I, I'm pretty sure he's in that. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm pretty, sure, pretty sure he's in that. I think um, he's, in, he's in a new movie coming out from, um, from Blumhouse Pictures called, um, it's like a play, it, it's just called Freaky and I think it's a play on Freaky Friday, like where, the, where you know, they get struck by lightning or some shit and like they switch, they switch bodies, but it's like a young girl who switches bodies with like a psycho killer played by um, Vince Vaughn. So he's going around with the psycho killer body playing with a, um, like playing a 16 year old girl or something. It's evidently quite good. And so there you go. We can check that out when we're allowed to go to the movies again. Well, uh, I don't know. I mean, Vince Vaughn to me, his best is... Very good. Like he's someone who starred in some iconic roles. Like if you sort of have mid two thousands through to mid two thousand tens, his best was very good. Like if you if you consider how he was in Wedding Crashes, if you see how he was in some of those other films, his best was very good. Maybe he's like that band The Who, whose best three songs are fucking amazing, and then they've got a whole bunch of other songs yeah. that actually aren't really great, but their best three are like really, 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 really good. Maybe that's where he uh, he belongs. But I would have liked to see more. You know, he was his best was very good. So you're underselling the who then, like the the maybe I am. yeah yeah like the so, sorry Sam like the 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 Sam the um, the Sam the who are a are a, a pretty fucking influential band. I know, like, right. who, I know. Maybe I just only like three who songs, and that's yeah. why. For, for interestingly, well, you got to hate on the who, Dave. Well, yeah, Pete Townsend and uh, whoever else. Interestingly enough, our, our five year old loves Who Are You by the Who. Loves it, sings along for the whole thing. That makes sense. Apparently they've made like a trillion dollars because their song is on all those CSI shows that Jerry Bruckheimer oh, makes, yeah, you, know, makes you know, in the intro. Yeah. Um, just guys, give me a, uh, give me a live real take on this. Just when I looked up Vince Bourne's IMDB, um, I was served with an advertisement as they call them in America, which is wrong because they're stupid. But um, the advertisement is for a new movie from the studio, which from the studio, which brought you Meet the Parents and Meet the Fuckers, a comedy for the whole family, The War with Grandpa. Ooh. And then the picture <laughs> is, a, is a kid looking naughty, a mother just going, oh, you character, I've got to give an eye on you, boy. And then it's got, um, who's the guy? Uh, all right, let's forget him. But it's got a picture of Robert De Niro looking bemused tied up with rope with a suction cap dart stuck on his forehead. You couldn't pay me to watch that. Taxi drivers, Robert De Niro. Late era De Niro has a lot to answer for. Like I know he doesn't owe anybody anything, but gee, he's made some trash. What would make you, what would make you do that movie? I'll I'll, um, I'll give you another, the war with grandpa fact that'll blow your mind. Yep. It's two hours and 21 minutes long. <laughs> probably too long. It's probably too long, isn't it? According to, <laughs> yep, according to the Google machine, two hours, 21 minutes. How is that possible? Wow. Jesus Christ. All right. Yeah, can, that's not good. I, I'll, give you, I'll give you a couple Sorry, more Christmas I'll, I'll films uh, just, just, just to round this out. Last one I'll give you from the st- traditional standard films. Mario Lopez from Saved by the Bell, starring in the uh, the comedy holiday classic Holiday in Handcuffs, about a single mum who can't get a date, so she handcuffs a young handsome stud and drags him along for Christmas. Real movie or not? I'm, I, I, I want to say that's fake because it sounds stupid, but you've gone to a lot of detail there if that's fake. Mario Lopez, of all people, like I wouldn't have known who Mario yeah, Lopez. Great is. choice. Yeah, I reckon it's real. It's real. It's it's real, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, I'll, I'll send you a picture of it. it. It's probably got the worst front cover of any Christmas film I've seen. Like it's one of those front covers that you look at and say, I can't possibly watch that. So it's Melissa Joan Hart who was from Sabrina the Teenage Witch, I think, and like 
it's a it's a it's a horrendously photoshopped you know image where she is wearing she's like ankle deep in snow wearing pristine jeans and like a little kind of red cardigan and like ugg boots or something that are not damaged by the snow or wet at all (laughs) and like she's dragging along yeah this muscular i guess mario lopez guy and like if we're meant to think that that head is attached to the body i I don't quite know what i'm looking at that just looks absolutely that looks horrendous it might be good. Might be good hate watch. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Like Geostorm. Yeah, I'd, I would just say just watch Geostorm. It's it's fucking great. Just just watch that instead. Yeah, we should. So uh, from the adult Christmas films, I'll give you a couple, uh, and let's let's see if you can work out which ones of these are real. Uh, Dirty Santa, one through six, the six versions. Real real adult film or not? As in like adult film? Is that what? Yeah, you mean? as in porn, a, a piece of pornography yeah, called Dirty Santa. Right. That sounds about right. Yep, yep, that's, there is one. That sounds real. Uh, Frost, Frosty the Snow Ho. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one's real. Uh, the Ghost of Christmas Ass. <laughs> now, now, you're just taking, now you're just taking famous Christmas tropes and rhyming them with words that are in hip-hop nah, songs. Real film. It's a real film. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was going to say that. I was going to say that's real. And if it's not, you should probably get a job naming... <laughs> Christmas porn movies because that's sensational. What about girls with low elf esteem? Oh, excellent, excellent, uh, very good. So that's Christmas films. That I think on that note, it's time to just move right away from Christmas films. <laughs> <laughs> Boots, legal question. Moving on to a to a different topic, uh, or actually mm-hmm. royalty question. As our as our resident uh, royalties and and. Uh, uh, Palace Insider, Paul Kershaw. Palace Insider means nothing. It doesn't make sense. It's obviously Mariah Carey time. This is her time to shine, as it is every single year. Obviously. Do you know, or has anyone done the numbers on what Christmas time means to her bank account in terms of royalties from All I Want for Christmas is You? Does anyone, do we know? I want to know right now. I, I have I have not looked into the, uh, the the royalties that she's she's due on that. I, I did notice that there was a... Uh, uh, a a list of the most successful Christmas albums in terms of okay. not not this is not based on royalties on radio play or anything like that. There's literally a strict sort of Billboard top 100 Christmas albums, which just goes to album album sales in the US, I believe. And that had the uh, the Mariah Carey album as number one, and then two through four were Barbara Streisand Christmas albums. Really. Uh, 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 Who's buying those? John McConnell. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Babs. True. But number two, three, and four. I'm shocked. What about like Bing Crosby and all the really old stuff? She had, she had one with like Chris Christopherson. She did one. I think I don't know. It was, I think it was Christmas. Yeah. Streisand. Yeah. The, okay. Yeah. Yeah. The, that Mariah Carey album though is is you know some some not insignificant percentage ahead of the uh, the rest. Feel. The Economist in December 19, uh, sorry, The Economist in December 2019 reported that the song has earned Mariah Carey over $60 million at that Shit. point in time. Wow. Good for her. It's a good song. It is. Uh, so, what, what is that? How long has it been that popular? Probably 15 years it's been that popular. Well, did, it, did, did it come out as part of Love Actually? Because that's the song they play at the end of Love Actually. Is that when it actually came out? No, it's out, a long time in a while. 1994, really? apparently. Ah, I didn't mm. know that. Yeah, yeah. So, so 20, 25 years. But I would say... Well, let's be honest, most Christmas carol, most new Christmas carols, in my view, are basically unbearable. So that's got to be like the, the almost one exception, right? The John Lennon one's good, but that's from like the late 70s. You know, that's even that, that one's relatively new. And that, and that's, and and kind of that's where you get to with what the rankings of these albums are, and that no one makes a good new one. So it's really that it's the, the that Mariah Carey is really an exception in a floating debris of shit house albums. So yeah, all all I want is Bing Crosby and Sinatra. Yeah, it it doesn't it doesn't stop that's people from trying. Um, like like reputable artists are still kind of willing to shamelessly throw themselves at trying for a Christmas. Christmas hit. Bob Dylan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody tried. Even Prince, Prince made probably the worst one I've ever heard called Last Christmas, uh, called Another Lonely Christmas. And it's, it's really, 
grandiose and over the top and it's about how his girlfriend died on Christmas Day. It's not good. It's tough. It's not a good it's not a good song. Oh, you know what? You know, another modern era good Christmas song is um actually it's not even a Christmas song, it's just a Christmas film clip. Is that George Michael last no last Christmas last Christmas? <laughs> yeah, it's not a Christmas song. What's it called? Last Christmas. <laughs> No, I was just trying to think about the song. I was trying to think about the storyline and it's about Easter. how he phoned his friend's wife. Yeah. Um, a, a good Christmas. Uh, the Darkness have a really good Christmas song from they I don't do. know, the early early two thousands. Yeah, it's called um, Christmas Time. Yeah. Don't let the bells end or something like that. It's really good. Which I believe was a joke about the the terminology bell end, which is a, yeah, it's a British so. slang for penis. And at the end of it, he's just yelling bell end, bell end, bell end as part of the song. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, say, oh, brilliant fucking song though. No, the legitimately great song. I've, I've I've listened to that song hundreds of times. It wasn't until I said the bells end outside, <laughs> like just then, that I even thought of that. And and you're right. Just at the end, he's, he's just saying it over and over again. That, yeah. make, that makes so much sense for those guys, actually. Yeah. No, the only two I can think of that are good song. that are broken. Yeah, that one, which is an absolute ripper. And uh, there's an Irish sort of folk band called the Pogues who have like a folk song it's it's sort of pretty down and out it's like a guy who's lost everything and his wife's lost everything but they've got each other and they're sort of just drunkenly abusing each other it's called what's it called uh and the bells are singing every christmas day you don't know that song it's a good song no keep singing it dave i want to hear some no i can't sing the rest of it you know i can't no you you do know it you know it you just want to hear me sing it i know this game Well, that was fun. The camp's kid fell out of bed. If you check out, mm. that's why the camp poor, left us. Not a metaphor. Not a metaphor. Not a metaphor. Uh, so I yeah. hope the camp kid is uh, okay after the fall from uh, from bed. The camp didn't come back after that, but uh, let's hope it is fine. Thank you to the camp. Thank you, Sam. Thank you to the ranch. We'll see you next week on the Dick and Ham Show, which will be brought to you by Gary Milk and the Old McCallum Scotch Whiskey. That's smooth, smooth, smooth taste. We'll see you then.